You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What's going on? Oh, what is going on? I'll tell you what. It's real nice out. Yeah, the weather is really nice. And you know what's ironic about that to me? Hmm. I'm basically going to be indoors all day. That's rough. Today. I am too. Part of that is related to the day we are recording this is Hmm. the day of the premiere. Oh, yeah. Of the new Spider-Man film. That's right. Which, as a bona fide Spider-Man fan... I thought well, you how were do you have to be bona fide? I was gonna I was trying to go for a different word, mm. but I just couldn't find it. Point mm. being, I loved the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Oh, yes. And those are my favorite superhero movies of all time. And that was my childhood. Yeah, you know, same. That, isn't that a weird expression? That was my childhood. Well, like, yeah. was it really? Like what your childhood? But <laughs> you understand what I mean. <laughs> yes, you all understand. So long story short, the MCU overall, I'm kinda like, mm, I could, you know, I'm kinda burnt out I on it. I totally feel the same way. But this movie mm. with Alfred Molina as Doc Ock oh, and yes. Willem Dafoe as Osborne coming yeah. back. Like, oh, I'm all over that. I, I'm going to go see that yeah. because I must. I'm cautiously optimistic, yeah. but realistically quite excited. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And I know nothing about it other than, like, I saw the very first trailer that featured mm. Alfred Molina at the end with Doc Ock. That's all I know. That's all I know. Yeah. And I've somehow remained completely cinematically chased regarding this movie. <laughs> That's a step up from my experience, as I have seen the full trailer that came out after that. Mm. But I'm actually, miraculously, spoiler-free. Amazing. Not, like Nothing that wasn't already like known or like an image reveal a couple months ago or whatever. Yeah. Like, basic rumor stuff. It's yeah. like, that seems to probably be true. I don't know anything about the plot. I don't know what happens. I'm yeah. actually, as long as I make it another couple hours. You're, you're going to make it. I'm in the clear. Yeah. Wow. And... I might actually go into the theater wearing headphones. <laughs> I've thought about that already. <laughs> and I also greatly enjoy Benedict Cumberbatch as an actor and Doctor Strange yeah. is his rendition of Doctor Strange. So I'm, I'm excited. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. Me so too. Mm. I'll see that. But uh, you know what else is exciting to me? What's exciting? What else is exciting? Paradigms are shifted and I Whoa. realize that something I thought was like true my whole life is like, oh, that wasn't quite right. Actually, there are times where it's really fun. Other times where it's like, oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's I, actually both and, uh, you know what I mean? Everyone could have seen your face when you did that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the perfect kind of smile. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I definitely feel that. Um, yeah. I think generally it's a positive experience for me. Sure. Like yep. even if it feels like a rough transition, I think I find it invigorating because at least in, in the past two-ish years when that has happened to me in my private life, it's like kind of liberating. Yeah. All of these kind of maybe dour, negative, unhelpful assumptions that I had Mm -hmm. or maybe kind of stuffy or restrictive thoughts I had you know unhelpful views that I've privately where did they even come from I don't know (laughs) were they ever instilled in me don't know was it cultural probably views of views of various theological topics of God of relationships like that and and then to kind of have this moment of clarity or like comfort honestly in like redefining those well these paradigms as they shift it can be really it can be really I think and this sounds so freaking corny I can't I didn't plan to go here but it can be like a healing experience i think sure yeah and i think uh even as we talk today this could be genuinely meaningful help to people yeah yeah because i i had one of these recently i'm so freaking excited yeah you know what i mean so um i'm just finishing up my bible reading plan for the year Uh, we've talked about on the podcast if you're looking for one to start out discipleship journal reading plan it's great recommend it used it for very long very long time (laughs) point being it puts me in revelation you know at the end of the year Uh, and in the last couple years especially i think i've personally in both my pastoral and just 
personal capacities, for lack of a better term. I've had more conversations about the book of Revelation and the end times in general than I've ever had before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, just because like stuff happening in the world, yeah. like all this stuff, you know, so just had a lot of conversations about that. And one point of conversation that will typically come up regards, you know, the Antichrist. Lots oh, of folks, boy. yeah, like lots of folks wonder how the Antichrist figures into the last days from various angles, mm. you know, it's so, like we don't have time to get into all those. But point being, as I was reading Revelation this go around, I just kind of had in the back of my mind, like, just looking out for references to the Antichrist, okay. right? Because I've always kind of had this, you talk about where I don't know where it came from, but like, I've just always been like, oh yeah, the Antichrist shows up in Revelation. He's like, it's like, you know, you got the, the beast, the Antichrist, yeah. and the false prophet or Exa- something like that, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay, so I've just always had that in my head. Mm. And to be clear, I read Revelation every year and have for, I don't know, I've, I've read through my Bible systematically every year for going on eight or nine years now. And I've read it many times before that just because it's Revelation, right? Like sure. it's like one of those books like, oh yeah, you read that, you know, it's crazy. But it does figure in as one of the books the Bible I'm least familiar with. I think that's true for most of humanity. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, was it G.K. Chesterton said, although St. John the Evangelist saw many strange monsters in his vision, he never saw one so strange as one of his own commentators. You know? <laughs> but um, I think Chesterton's words are, you know, ironic and true because like, really, it doesn't feel as linear or neat to me as like, you know, like a Romans or Galatians. Sure. Like it's very systematic, yeah. sustained argument. It doesn't have the same narratival flow to me as like the Gospels. Such a cascading fire hose of images. It's just difficult for me to keep up yeah. with. Like I can't, I couldn't readily pull up references to Revelation in my head if you ask me right now. Like, <laughs> where is that? Like, where is the seventh trumpet figure in? I'm yeah. like, uh, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. So point being, all that to say, I was shocked as I was reading through Revelation and looking for the Antichrist because I had in my head, he's hmm. in here. So we're playing the spiritual word as well, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I had that stored for about five minutes. I'm like, I gotta get that in there. <laughs> So I'm looking, but as it turns out, the Antichrist does not, in fact, appear in Revelation. (laughs) This is so wild. He doesn't. (laughs) And just to be sure, I'm like, not only am I like reading, like, let me scan through that again. I have Logos Bible Software, which is the most advanced Bible software in the world. Like you can basically, if you know how to ask a question and know the way to like put it into the the power search, you can find the answer. Mm. And so I just, I did a simple search. I'm like, find everywhere in scripture, this term Antichrist is used. Mm. It is only used four times (laughs) and only by John in his letter. That's all. That's all it is. Four times in John's letters. That's it. Man. Okay. Two things, right? First, I can think of one of them. It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) If one can have a favorite. My favorite verse about the Antichrist (laughs) is this one. It's so awesome. (laughs) As everyone backs away, like, are those uh, seven horns growing uh, out of Ethan's head and is one of them uttering blasphemies? I don't think we need to listen to this podcast today. (laughs) Skip 15 seconds. Um, no, it's my favorite because of how much it like recontextualizes the idea. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's precisely where we're going. Yeah. Um, but also, what a huge left turn. If you if yeah. you looked at the name of this podcast and you're like, oh, I don't know. Hopefully you made it at this moment right here. <laughs> it changes everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because as a matter of fact, if uh, we're thinking of the same verse mm, in I hope John. So. This is fun. This is a new game we're playing. Yes. <laughs> which, which reference to the Antichrist are we thinking of? <laughs> the thing is, is John tells us precisely who the Antichrist is. There isn't any mystery about 
this figure because I think the idea that we typically, again, I don't know necessarily where I got this idea. Mm. I can trace back some of its origins, but it's like the Antichrist figure is like, oh, who is it? Like, it's going to be this figure at the end who's going to all these crazy and we're looking for him and all this stuff. But John tells us precisely who he is. There's no question about it, at least biblically Mm. speaking. And according to John, the Antichrist is not some apocalyptic end times figure who's going to tip the dominoes of judgment, you know, like get the (laughs) the ball rolling, so to speak. Here's what 1 John 2.22 says. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Oh, okay, yeah. That's who it is. Okay, so I was actually thinking of the reference literally right before this in chapter uh, two. Ah, yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I also just always kind of lump these together. Yeah. <laughs> the same big moment where it changes maybe what you thought about it. Um, but yeah, very fun. Well, yeah. I mean, not, not at all fun. <laughs> But playing this game about which Antichrist verse, that's a little bit fun. That part, yes. The actual Antichrists themselves. The content itself. Not so much. Much more distressing. (laughs) But yeah, so the Antichrist is literally just the person who is against Christ. I mean, it's in the name. It's in the name. Yeah, like that tells you who it is right there. The Antichrist who would be someone... I've heard it put this way, like a theologically liberal Methodist pastor who denies that Jesus was truly God incarnate and came to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Mm. Stuff I, like that. That would be Antichrist. Like a lot, really funny that we should time this episode when we have, like every quote unquote kind of kind of like pseudo cult we've discussed. All of them. Could be Antichrist. Denied like the, the theological doctrine of the Trinity. Yeah. Antichrists. Wow. They came and denied the Father and the Son. Interesting what happens when the Antichrist is not a cartoon comic book character. <laughs> With a capital A. <laughs> yes. Actually, exactly to that point, earlier in 118, John says, many antichrists yes, this is it. have come into the world, right? Mm-hmm. Which further reinforces the point that there isn't any one capital A antichrist, right? But rather there is a, again, to use John's terms from chapter 4, verse 3, there's a pervasive spirit of the antichrist that simply wants to deny the fundamental reality of Jesus Christ, come in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil and offer forgiveness of sins and so on. And so forth. Mm. That in particular, I just feel like everything we've just discussed that's detailed in those verses in mm-hmm. that chapter, all together right there, tremendously undermines the frequent and certainly the misunderstanding that I had for a, a large part of my life. Mm-hmm. It completely undermines that framework. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, how did we forget this? Yeah. It's one of the only times it shows up. And it completely contradicts this like comic book cartoonish right. disaster film. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And that does, I mean, that raises a couple of great questions is first to your point, how did we get the idea of the capital A, like proper noun, Antichrist, coming as this apocalyptic figure as a distinct, you know, person? And then two, what are we supposed to do about the spirit of the Antichrist since it is even now among us Mm. and was like, it's not new. Like Exactly. As it's fully described here. Yeah. Like John was dealing with Antichrists in his day. Mm -hmm. So what are we supposed to do about that? Why does John mention that? And how does that actually, you know, apply? Well, to answer the first question, I am venturing a bit of a guess on like, how did we get this idea? Like, where did it come from? Because I could try to argue where that came from, but I would want a little more evidence before I went and made a certain jump. So I'm not going to do that. Um, (laughs) What I am going to say is that it seems to me there's some sort of conflation happening with the man of lawlessness described in 2 Thessalonians 2 and the beast described in Revelation. Okay, Mm. like somehow like those figures are being conflated into this idea of the capital A Antichrist. Okay. They've Megatron together. Yeah, that's for lack of a better term. Now, the thing is, I mean, the text does not warrant such a conflation. Like, I just don't see that. Like, <laughs> right. when you read 2 Thessalonians 2, when you read the descriptions in Revelation, and when you're reading John's words in his letters, like, mm-hmm. I, I cannot see where that 
combination comes from, like mm-hmm. how you would connect those dots. Because, I mean, Paul and John appear to be talking about very different figures. Like the man of lawlessness is someone very different from the Antichrist. And the beast is something very different. I mean, if I were to break it down very simply, okay, I would say the Antichrist is any false teacher who infiltrates the church from within. Whereas when you're talking about like the man of lawlessness or the beast, the way Paul and John talk about the beast or the man of lawlessness, those would represent some sort of political power that oppresses the people of God from without. Mm. And they're very distinct. Like, I I just don't see textually how you would ever conflate them, is my point. Well, thank goodness that it doesn't leave any room for a conspiracy theory in a modern context. (laughs) There's no way we can misuse that at all. Zero percent. Oh, yeah. And I I genuinely, when I consulted resources and theological texts that talk about like a figure such as the Antichrist, um, not that I, I I don't want to present it as in like, oh, I searched high and low every single resource that could be out there. But like I consulted a few keystone texts and commentaries. And then the research I did, this simply seemed to be a presupposed fact that there's going to be like a capital Antichrist. Like I I was looking for them to explain, like, how did you get that the man of lawlessness is the Antichrist, this capital A figure. Mm. But there was really never any explanation. They were just kind of, it was just kind of an assumed thing, which is, you know, kind of like probably what I'd have done, you know, in the years leading up to this this moment, <laughs> just thinking like, oh yeah, that's like just the thing. I would want to grant that perhaps it's just, they're not using the term Antichrist the way John is using. It's like a new title that they're just applying to this figure. But even if that's the case, I don't think it's helpful. I it's think you're still confusing. Helpful. You're confusing these concepts yeah. in a very misleading way. And it's like kind of the worst book to try to, to play loose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say like, let's just let the terms that have been set for us exist on the on their own definitions and their yeah. own merits. So anyway, I say all that to say is like, I wouldn't want to be dogmatic in my answer about how that conflation happened. I see. Um, I'd want to do more research before I actually, you know, which is always like, oh, shouldn't you have done that before you did a podcast trying to answer that question? I'm like, well, Yes, but there's only so much one can do, you know. <laughs> I'm just trying to point out the fact that that conflation shouldn't happen based yes, on the text. Right. Now, the point of this revelation, so to speak, of the Antichrist in John's letters, not in the book of Revelation. John gave us the warning about Antichrists for a reason. We really do need to keep a careful watch on our lives and the teaching that we hear and believe. In other words, when we talk about the Antichrist in popular, I think, modern discourse, the idea is like you get people who are looking forward out there trying to identify some mysterious figure. They're basically playing like the Gnostic board game. Yeah, it's it's the Gnostic board game. The Gnostic board game of who is that? <laughs> um, but John's point in talking about that is we need to look right here, right now, like yeah. not out for some super powerful apocalyptic figure that's going to come in the future. Rather, we need to think they could be in our midst right now. Right. And indeed, in many churches, there are antichrists who are denying Christ. They are against Christ, literally. And John's point is only those who know the word of truth and abide in it will be able to see and understand that and basically, for lack of a better term, save themselves from the condemnation that the antichrists will bring. Mm. And the theologian G.K. Beale uh, illustrates this whole concept well with a story from his own life. So we're taking this out of the realm of just like, how does that actually work? So as the story goes, he and his wife were remodeling their house and they were doing something really simple with their floors at one point. I think they were putting down like a coat of finishing oil on some mm. hardwood floors. I mean, that's really easy. Probably you know? the only part of a floor project that could be simple. Yeah, like just grab the brush, dip it, and... <laughs> Put it on there, right? Really easy stuff. So at any rate, they finished the job. They assembled, you know, all the rags and other materials, and they put them in a cardboard box and then went to sleep that night. Mm-hmm. Well, after they'd gone to sleep, their son apparently woke them in the middle of the night complaining about a terrible smell. Never a good sign, right? Not, no, not at all. So they got up and went to investigate, and in Beale's words, it smelled like something was burning, like some sort of atrocious burning smell. Problem was, there was like no smoke and no fire anywhere. Like they couldn't see any fire. Mm. So I think he was worried there might have been like a fire inside the wall. 
walls Yeah, or that's something. exactly what I was thinking. That's yeah. horrifying. Yeah, so they called the fire department to be safe. I was like, hey, can you come help us figure this out? Like, mm. what's going on? Because we definitely smell something burning. But finally, Mrs. Beal looked at the cardboard box sitting in the living room, and she saw fumes rising from it. Oh. Like, you know how that is? Like, you can see that, like, kinda, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they took the box outside, and Ooh. when the firefighters showed up, one of them just took a stick. Okay, just took a stick and stirred the contents of the box and it exploded like into flames. As it turns out, they hadn't read the instructions on the oil cans, which had specific directions for disposing of the rags and other materials, precisely because the mixture of materials causes a chemical reaction that leads to spontaneous combustion in that material. Your two favorite words, spontaneous combustion. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and that, like, you know, that's just terrifying to Sto- me. Stories like this, it's why I will turn around after driving halfway to work. <laughs> just to make sure the stove is off, or the garage door went down, all this stuff. It's like, well, there could be a box on fire. Because <laughs> who reads that on the oil can? I, I know, don't. right? Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, apply it and then be done with it, it right? Yeah, it's but like, no. Oh, yeah. So that... I think serves to illustrate the same sort of thing can happen in the church. And this is what John is trying to tell us about with the Antichrists. If we don't pay attention to the scriptures carefully and closely, Antichrists can and will, according to John, come into our midst, throw together some very potent false teachings mm. that ought not <laughs> go together under any circumstances, leave them to simmer in the house of the Lord. And next thing you know, up goes the church, right? Like churches have been and are destroyed yeah. by, I mean, if you look at churches that have, well, look at the cults, for example, or the churches that were historically faithful, but that by the spirit of Antichrist have denied like the fundamental realities of Christ's saving work on the cross or his reality as the incarnate son of God. Like those churches are brought down into ruin and the people go with them. And so when we think of the Antichrist, the whole point of this is we shouldn't be looking at news reports and wondering, you know, is Putin the Antichrist (laughs) or whatever? You know what I mean? We should look in the church and ask ourselves, who's denying the foundational realities of Christ and making sure that we are rooted in the word of God Mm. so that we can identify those moments that someone says something where we're like, I see fumes coming off of that and that could be disastrous. That's all, I think, a very different paradigm for thinking about antichrists and the spirit of antichrist than um, perhaps we would have absorbed by cultural osmosis. So hopefully patently practical for all of us here in this day. So thank you for listening. And if your paradigm was shifted too, just like ours, (laughs) and you want to leave us an honest five-star review and we found this content helpful, you can do that, Apple Podcasts. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, uh, Mm -hmm. anything we touched on there that you'd like to hear more about, you can feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. Thank you as always for listening. Hopefully you don't think we're spirit of antichrist. (laughs) And we'll catch you next time.